into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, A.J. Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. And Sam, it feels so good to be back. We had a nice, long, extended Thanksgiving break. Unfortunately, I had to catch the flu in there and about knock me on my ass for a solid five days, so... um, We are now feeling much better. We are back, super excited. We have a lot of stuff to get to today on the podcast. We got a lot of the basketball to talk about, Sam. Uh, A few games for the Kentucky Wildcats while we were gone, three to be exact. I know before we had left for break, I previewed the matchup with Gonzaga. So we had that game and then two games at home against North Florida and Bellarmine, which we need to dissect and get to. And uh, we'll get your thoughts here in in just a moment, Sam. Uh, And then we got to talk about the Governor's Cup. Kentucky comes away with the victory. They go on the road. They end their season on a high note with a big win against their arch rival, Louisville Cardinals. A great day all around in the Bluegrass State. Um, a hard-fought game and, and great for Kentucky to come out with the W. Let's go back. As I said, though, Sam, we got a lot of basketball to talk about, and I think there's no other place to start other than with that game up in Spokane against Gonzaga and Kentucky. Let's just call it what it was. They, they weren't ready to play and they got down early and they just could not claw them their, their way back into the game. And Sam, uh, I think that poses a good question. What are you seeing out of the Kentucky Wildcats and that and that's causing them some issues right now and why they ultimately have two losses uh, on their record up to this point? Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. It's good to be back. Good to hear your voice uh, somewhat back to normal. I know the flu took you out pretty hard, so I'm just glad that we're back in the studio. But, you know, you, you pose a good question there. I think a few different things jump off the page currently. Um, You know, since our last episode, obviously you did a sole episode by yourself, getting the listeners ready for that game against Gonzaga on a quote neutral site. But after watching that game, AJ, you and I and the rest of the country well know that was a home game for the Gonzaga Bulldogs and they had a fantastic crowd. So you, you realistically, you got to give them kudos for showing out. They had their student section camp out the night before intense and during the, the weather just to be able to get into the stadium and be first row. So um, it was quite the atmosphere. It was definitely one of those games, AJ, that, um, 
I was looking forward to, as far as non-conference games go, this is one of the most exciting ones that I can remember in a little time. Obviously, last year, uh, what jumps off the page for me is that Kansas game in, obviously, uh, their barn. But for me, AJ, right now, what's stepping off the page to me that's preventing the Cats from potentially being 7-0 as opposed to sitting at 5-2 and at number 19 in the country is one, energy. We saw it in the Gonzaga game, which is really troubling to me, AJ, because that's a self-explanatory game where you you can feel the energy. It's boiling over. You got to put a wooden spoon on top of it to just to keep it boiling over. And it felt like when, when we stepped on that floor, the energy was just not there. We had no one spark it either, which was the most concerning part. I kept thinking Oscar or Severe or Kaysen, somebody was going to step up and make that play that sparked the energy. And like you alluded to, AJ, I mean, we got down early and we really struggled from then on out. I mean, you know, we end up losing 88 to 72, losing by obviously 16 points is not good to any opponent. I don't care how good you are because we consider ourselves a final four team this year. So you shouldn't be losing like that. I I know things happen, but what, what pissed me off, honestly, AJ was the energy, because if you show out in that game and you bring the energy, I really do think it was a better game because we did see spurts throughout the game where we actually were able to cut it to all but four points after being down what near, nearly 20 points, AJ. So, I mean, we had the effort at times, but when you're going up against a very good Georgia Bulldogs team with arguably one of the best players in the nation in Drew Timmy, you got to show up for all 40 minutes, and we didn't show up for all 40 minutes, and that's troubling. I think, aside from the energy, because I do think we have the right players, that that's not going to be a consistent issue. And it hasn't been, but it has shown at times. So I, that's not something that can't be fixed. That's not something that Calipari can't really get the guys going on. Um, aside from that, AJ, at times I think what the, the Cats are missing is honestly rebounding, which is just super surprising to me because when you have the nation's best rebounder without – argument the nation's best rebounder it's really troubling to me that we aren't having anyone else step up now i don't know if it's the mentality that hey oscar is going to get every rebound so we don't need to try we can just go ahead and push as outlets and try to run the floor but it's inexcusable at this point because realistically aj we don't have a dominant two in the rebounding category. And two, by not meaning guard, I mean just our number two rebounder for the team. I mean, um, up until this point, we've got the likes of Chris Livingston, AJ, who's been coming off the bench as probably our second best rebounder. And that's why Cal is sitting here saying, we got to play him more because he's clearly showing the effort and rebounding is more important than anything at this point because without rebounding, it's tough to win games. 
And it's disappointing to me. Uh, obviously, Oscar has been phenomenal in that category, but it cannot just be him. It's got to be the likes of Jacob Toppin. He's got to step up and start grabbing some boards. Lance Ware when he's in. I mean, it, it, it goes across the board for everyone. But I honestly think, for me, AJ, those are the two biggest concerns I've had so far. Both make me feel somewhat good on the inside because, truthfully, they're things that we can be fixing as we go, and we will, and we're addressing them. But that's definitely prevented us, in my honest opinion, from being 7-0 and and sitting here at 5-2. and Are you thinking the same thing, or what jumps off the page at you, man? So as far as the Gonzaga game is concerned, I think for me um... – you know, the more I thought about it and in, in listening to Calipari talk, I don't think it was a they weren't ready to play type thing. They just missed, like he says, you can't make them all, but you sure as hell can't miss them all, Sam. And so what it, what to me transpired was they missed almost every single shot at the beginning of the game. And as a young team who hasn't played together a lot, it kind of rattled their cage a little bit and they never were able to like throw that hit, that punch back yep. until yep. it was kind of too late. And then so once they finally made their run in the second half, Gonzaga absorbed it and then they went on a run of their own and, and we didn't have enough left in the tank at the end of the game to be able to claw our way back because you just right. can't continue to put yourself in those holes. And so I don't think it was they weren't just they didn't show up to play at all, but it is still slightly concerning to me when guys are starting to hang their head and the body language isn't great and you're not doing the things like rebounding and you're getting lazier on the defensive end and letting other parts of your game be affected because you're not scoring or not shooting the ball well. And so for me, that was a little bit concerning. But but with that said, they fought hard, and I was proud of the way that they fought in the second half. They could have just rolled over and gotten absolutely killed, and I know the final score, they still end up losing by over 15 points, but you watch the entirety of that game, you understand that you know they, they were working their way back into the game, just, just couldn't happen um, ultimately. But I think, Sam, I... I I have something that I wanted to ask you actually um, through this game, and it's it's something that I I guess I just want to get your take on why you think this is happening. But Oscar is been struggling to stay out of foul trouble, and it's really hurting us. And do you think that's more a product of him just not being in great shape, or him trying to make up for? some other players and not trusting his teammates as much or, or what do you, what do you think's going on there? Because we, we obviously at this point in the season can't afford to have him off the court for long stretches of the game. And especially at the end of games against really good teams, we need him on the court. So um, kind of your thoughts there. No. Yeah. You, you bring up a very valid question because it has unfortunately become a consistent theme. Um, against some of these inferior opponents, he doesn't quite get in the same foul trouble. And that's where I started doing the digging, AJ, because you got to find the root of the cause. And I'm sure Don Calipari is doing the same thing. And if you've listened to some of his 
post-game conversations. I think he sees it the way I'm seeing it to some degree. Um, a lot of it, AJ, to me, is coming down to the other players' defensive efforts and him compensating for his, their man getting beat. What Oscar consistently is doing when you're breaking down the film is when another man gets beat off the dribble and is attacking hard at the rim, Oscar has a poor habit, if you will, of trying to compensate for that defender losing their man and going up and trying to make a play. The issue is is when guys are going downhill like Drew Temme all night, what kept happening is Oscar tries to slide into that lane and make a defensive play. He's not trying to draw charges by any means. He's just trying to block the shot, alter the shot, try to affect the play to some degree. And that's realistically really where he's getting himself into trouble. Now, is it his initial fault for that man getting beat? No, but he has to be smarter in the fact that when you're when someone else's man, severe, Kaysen, when their man gets beat, you can rotate over, you can't foul. Because we we have to have you in the game for the majority of these runs. Otherwise we're going to struggle. And I mean, obviously look whose man ran wild. I know jumping back a bit, but in that Michigan state overtime, look who ran wild when Oscar wasn't in the game. I mean, we didn't get beat by the guards in overtime, AJ. We didn't, we got beat by the bigs and we have to have them in because as, as vital as he is to this team, clearly on the offensive end, He's even more vital on the defensive end. I don't know. I, I think part of it probably does also boil down to just him being out of shape just by a bit, AJ, because when he doesn't have the stamina like he tr- truly used to, as in last year, your mental starts to go as well, AJ. I mean, you and I both played sports our entire lives, and, and I'll be the first to admit it. When you're dog-tired – and you're caught out there, and the play's still going, that's when you find yourself making very mental mistakes that lead to fouls, penalties, whatever you want to call it in any sport. That's when you start to break down. I think you're clearly seeing that. And not to jump too far ahead, but you even saw him pretty winded against a great offensive team in Bellarmine last night. And I think it's just something that he needs to consistently work on and work up to. He's not going to be out of shape the whole year, AJ. We saw him all last year. He can run the offense and defense start to finish for nearly 35-plus minutes out of the game, AJ. I mean, he'll be fine. He's just got to get to that place, obviously still coming back from that injury. It's just going to take some time, but I don't know. What's... What's your opinion? Do you think it's more self-inflicted and he's not being disciplined enough? Or do you think it does boil down to some of the other players not giving enough defensive efforts where he's trying to obviously, you know, overcompensate? Yeah, to, to me, it's a, it's a little bit of both. But I, I just do, th- I do think um, he needs to be a little bit more disciplined right now. I think he needs to understand the consequences of him going out of the game. And maybe it's a good thing that he did foul out of these games early on in the season. So now he understands, hey, this is something that I can't afford to have happen. And, you know, it may happen a time or two again throughout the season. 
but the the trend of these bigger games and playing tougher teams with him in foul trouble cannot continue to be a thing because that is not the area in which we want to live all season. It, it really isn't, Sam. Um, yeah. We need him to be able to be out there and to be aggressive and to not have to worry about picking up cheap fouls. So I think for him, it's really just keep our hands to ourselves a little bit more and let's continue to to work on not fouling i think that he'll be able to correct these mistakes pretty quickly um we do have a few you know bigger games or tougher opponents on the schedule coming up so i think it'll be a nice opportunity for us to see um how that goes down but yeah i think like i said i think it's a little bit of a combination of both but i think for him, he's really just got to continue to just be a little bit more disciplined. I, this wasn't something that was a serious issue last year whatsoever. Um, so like you said, Sam, it, it also could be attributed to some of his conditioning and just trying to get back into shape. And maybe, you know, it's he's just pushing up on guys a little bit, using his hands a little bit too much, reaching a little yep. bit too much because he's not fully trusting himself to be able to move as fast as he, he did. But we'll see how that goes on um, over the course of the next couple of games, and hopefully the Cats can get yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. And it's situated. funny you bring up – right. It's funny you kind of bring up foul trouble because uh, on the different end – Jacob Toppin found himself early in foul trouble against that Gonzaga team. And it was really disappointing because it it felt like he was showing that he could be a difference maker at that possession. I think we were going to win that matchup all night Um, just because of his size, his physicality. And you saw it in the second half. He he really got to his spots and was knocking down those mid-range jumpers. He finishes with 16 points, AJ, and it's it's just kind of disappointing because I did think that some of the fouls were uh, a little soft, to be honest. It was, it was a bummer because you see him go down for the majority of that first half, have limited minutes in the second, and then be really efficient once he did get his opportunities. I mean, he finished with 36 minutes. I mean, you know, he, he played a ton, but, um, you know, critical moments in that first half when we were trying to go on runs and stop the bleeding, he had to be taken out of. And that, that was a bit of a bummer. But, um, you know, it, it's something that we need to keep our eye on across the board because there's players that cannot be replaced. And at this point, I think Oscar, I think Jacob are two that are setting themselves aside that they cannot be replaced because when I think of Antonio Reeves and I think of CJ, you could technically, you know, one gets into foul trouble, put the other one in, Severe and Kaysen. But I, th- I think those two right now, there's just not a a good enough option. Lance and Ugana have not stepped up yet to give us vital minutes and critical moments where Oscar needs to sit. And I think the same thing with, obviously, Damon Collins. I mean, by all means, I'm not judging him. I know it's going to take a little time to get over the hurdle that he's battling right now, but I just don't think he's there quite yet. Um, so truly, those two players really have to keep their hands out of the cookie jar and can't get caught in foul trouble as we progress throughout the season, especially with some of these bigger games on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And um, there is just one other thing that I did want to touch on before we transition over and talk about these next two games um, after Gonzaga. But 
free throw shooting. Yeah. It's a problem. I don't know any other way to put it, but the free throw shooting in our two biggest games so far has been extremely poor. And, you know, Sam, you look back over the years with John Calipari here at Kentucky, and we've had some teams that have struggled to shoot free throws. And then we've had some teams that are really good at shooting free throws. And I think this team can be a really good free throw shooting team, but the start of the season has not been great and they're going to need to pick that up. And, you know, I think some of it has to just do with a little bit of confidence. A few of the guys are struggling to find their rhythm right now and really haven't gotten everything to click. And then I, so I think once that, offensively the game starts clicking a little bit more they'll have some more confidence be able to go to the free throw line and step up and hit those but it has been a problem in our biggest game so far so just something that I wanted our listeners to pay attention to as we continue to watch the cats these next couple of games we we need to be hitting more free throws than we are you know we have a good team that can be able to be aggressive and attack the basket and get to the foul line. And, you know, if, if you're not making those foul, those free throws, every time you drive, they're just going to hack you and tell you to go hit your free throws and let you miss one or two or miss two or two and take the ball back and be fine with it. So, um, that is one thing that is concerning me. Um, I, I need to see some improvement in that area because you know, there's no other way to put it. They're free. They're free points. You gotta have them, you know? So. No, totally agree. I think it's, it's the timely free throws as well. I mean, we saw it in the Michigan state game. Obviously we ended up going 16 for 24 from the line. I love that 24 AJ. I mean, that's getting to the line. That's being physical. That's getting the ball in the paint. Um, you know, Zaga 12 for 16. It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not terrible. Um, but, but I totally agree with you. I think it's the timeliness of those free throws. Um, critical moments. I mean, it's early in the season. I think confidence will build. But it's definitely valid point that we need to keep our eye on because it cannot be a consistent problem as we move forward. It, it just can't. I mean, um, that's how you lose basketball games. That is for sure. Okay, so I think it's a good time to kind of transition away from the Gonzaga game. And, Sam, we've had – Two games since Gonzaga, we uh, both at Rupp Arena, one against North Florida and one against Bellarmine. And if you watch the games and if you look at the scores, they are very, very different basketball games that happened over the course of the last few days. North Florida, Kentucky goes out there. They scored 96 points, almost get to that 100 clip again for the which would be the second time this season. Didn't quite get there, but again, putting up a lot of points on offense. They win by 40. And then you have the game against Bellarmine last night, which they come away with the 60-41 to 41 victory. So, Sam, my question to you is why such a big difference in the scores, in the style, the pl- in the style of play between the two games? Yeah, I, I really think it comes down to the respect that we need to give this Bellarmine team. They have a extremely potent and well-organized offense, AJ, that they average almost over a point in six passes 
every possession, AJ. That is elite within the college basketball realm. They are a well-constructed team that can shoot it from three. So be- before you keep going, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you keep talking, but I just – did you see um, Arkansas's coach – yeah, uh, what he Muscleman. said. Yeah, he said, <laughs> what he said he, he about Bellerman. <laughs> he openly said, if if y'all haven't caught this, Eric Musselman, the head coach of Arkansas, came out and said he will not, absolutely refuses to schedule a game against this Bellerman team. He said we will not put them on our future. We will not do it because that is a scary team, and I think. It's cool to see some of the respect that this Bellarmine team is starting to get in. And I, I'm not hyping them up through the roof saying they're a top 25 team in the country or any of that nonsense just because we were able to beat them. That's not the point. The point is, AJ, when you ask why the huge discrepancy between a 96-56 to 56 win against North Florida and then a 60-41 to 41 win against Bellarmine, it truly is the respect that we need to give this offense in Bellarmine. And they did a great job defensively getting back and not letting us get out in transition. I mean, if you look at this box score and one by 19, you'd say, oh, Kentucky probably handedly did this. That wasn't necessarily the case. And we were not able to get out and run. And then when you dive into the box score and if you peel back the layer and like you did when you were actually watching, what they did is very much like a well-coached Bill Belichick Patriots team, AJ. And the reason I say that is because I've been listening to Belichick talk for the last 20 years, and what he has always done defensively is I'm going to take away your best offensive player. You will have to beat me elsewhere because I know your schemes. I know what you try to do. You try to go to your best player. What did Bellerman do extremely efficiently last night they took away the paint they took away oscar sheboy and then aside from that their other objective do not let this kentucky wildcats team get out and run free oscar finished with eight points aj that's his low on the season i mean it it was impressive what this bellarmine team was able to accomplish we obviously go into half tied at 21 i you know i i'm all over twitter aj Big Blue Nation was losing their minds, thinking that we have the worst offense in college basketball. We can't do nothing. That wasn't my sentiment watching that game. Did we struggle to hit shots at times in that first half? Yes. I was more focused on the fact that we're going in a half, and we just held an extremely potent offense in Bellarmine to 21 points. That as a coaching staff, I'm sure was the point of emphasis. Guys, you keep getting stops like that and rebound and get out and push the pace. They gave credit to Bellerman. Like I said, they stopped the pace in the first half. But second half, we got out and we pushed the pace and we extended the lead because you, you can't stick with us for 40 minutes. Kudos to Bellerman for being able to do it for 20. But that second half, AJ, we got out and we ran and we went in tied 21 to 21, AJ. And there was a moment in that second half where it was 32 to 28. Okay. Bellerman was leading by four early in the second half. We went on a 32 to nine run after that and won 60 to 41, AJ. That is extremely impressive. And good teams find a way to enforce their will and their style of play into the game bad teams 
lose that game after you let a inferior opponent hang around for too long and too long and too long and build confidence. We've talked about this, whether it's the gridiron or the basketball court. Same goes. And I'm proud of what we were able to do. I know a lot of people are probably having this and that and the other to say about this Kentucky Wildcats effort against Bellarmine, but those are my biggest takeaways, AJ. Absolutely, Sam. And I just want to give a little bit of context to this Bellarmine Knights basketball team. You look at them last year, first year in Division One. they joined the Atlantic Sun Conference. They actually go in there, win the conference outright, win the conference tournament, and they do not get to participate in the NCAA tournament because of the transition period in which they're going into Division One. So right off the bat, you have a team that's able to come in in Division One basketball into a conference and play well and compete and win, right? So they come into this season, right? Listen to this. They have played eight basketball games, seven of which have been on the road at Louisville, at Moorhead State, at Clemson, at Duke, at Loyola Marymount, at UCLA, at Kentucky, right? They beat Louisville outright in the first game of the season, 67-66. to They lost a nail-biter to Moorhead State. They lost by 10 points to Clemson, covered the spread. They lost by 17 to Duke in Cameron Indoor, covered the spread. They had a bad game against Loyola Marymount, but they've been traveling a ton. It, 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 you're not going to expect them to play great every, every night. They go on the road at UCLA. They lose by 19, cover the spread. Played the other day against Kentucky lose by 19, covered the 25.5-point spread. So as you can see, this team continues to exceed oddsmakers' expectations. And that stretch of their games is over now. They just went on this long road trip. They had to go play a ton of tough teams. I mean, you're talking about one, Clemson, Louisville, Duke, UCLA, Kentucky. Five teams already. Power five schools on the road to start the season. So... This team is not afraid of who they're playing. They're a well-coached team. You saw it last night, the amount of passing in the way that they can move the ball. I mean, it. they had possessions where they would score without ever dribbling the basketball, and they would run an entire offensive set for 25 to 30 seconds. Like Teams do not do that in college basketball, okay? So that was quite a challenge for the Kentucky Wildcats last night. And like you said, Sam, good teams find a way, even when things aren't going right, to enforce their will and their style of play on the game and be able to come out victorious. And and that's what the Cats did last night. So honestly, I thought that was a great challenge for them, much more of a challenge than North Florida was, that's for sure. And I think for me, it was really cool to see Kentucky um, find a way to finally get out and transition. Because like you said, Sam, that is such a dynamic part of our game. And oh, yeah. what 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 did Bellerman do? As soon as the shot, shot went up on offense, they had one guy go for an offensive rebound, and all four guys ran back to the three-point line at the other end of the court. And so they made it an absolute priority to not let us get out and transition. And yet... Like you said, in the second half, we are able to start to wear them down, break them down, and start to get some easy baskets and start to pull ahead and, and 
ultimately that's what led to the victory. But yep. um, I, I was just impressed with 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 Kentucky, like you as as you were, um, and just being able to overcome some of those challenges and obstacles that the Bellarmine Knights were able to pose last night. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, like I said, what jumped off the page of me is our defensive effort. And you kind of credited that Bellarmine offense as well as I did. But just to give you guys a little context, or context here, yeah, Bellarmine in those Power 5 games, AJ, listen to this, okay? At Lowell, from the field, they shot 57%. At US, UCLA, they shot 52.8%. At Clemson, 52%. At Duke, 48.1%. Then they come into Rupp Arena against this long, athletic, stout defense that we have going so far. Ken Palm has us at net number two defense in the country, effectively, AJ. They shoot 39% against the Cats. That's the story of the game. So when everyone wants to yell and gripe about our offense efficiency, that's not what I'm concerned about. That that will will continue to develop. But when you stop a team that has been that potent, a potent offensively, that's what sticks out to me. Their coach Davenport on the effort that Kentucky had just wanted to credit us for how, you know, disciplined we were defensively, how we used our length, how we are a heck of a defensive team and might be the best defensive team in the country. So it was good kudos from a team that has already given gone up against some of the powerhouses in the power five conferences aj so i just wanted to throw that in there just for the listeners to understand the context no absolutely i appreciate you did because i think and and for me like if you were watching the game last night there was possessions where they couldn't even get a shot off and like it looked bad like they looked like they didn't belong on the court at times trying to score because of the way that we were able to affect them defensively. And right. that is a good offensive team that we yes. just played. So I think that kind of highlights and shows um, the type of defensive team we can be when we're locked in and we're giving the effort and we're communicating and we're rebounding and doing all those things that, that help us to be successful. So um Sam, I think the time has come. We will transition once again and we'll hop out of the basketball realm for just a little bit. And I know that the season has now come to a close except for our bowl game, but we do need to look back and we do need to talk about this Governor's Cup win for the Kentucky Wildcats, I think it is safe to say at this point that Will Levis owns Louisville. He showed well once again. He was able to rally and lead the boys to an impressive victory. And Sam, my biggest takeaway from the game was the defensive effort. I know that Louisville did not have Malik Cunningham for part of the game, and then he came in switch back to the other quarterback, um, kind of a weird situation going on there, but that is not something that they were new to. That is something that Louisville had dealt with and dealt with very recently. So to go on the road and to only hold them to 13 points and really make their night 
quite hard uh, to move the ball up and down the field was great. My question for you, Sam, did the offense do anything in this last game to show you some promise going forward, or was it just same old Kentucky? We did we did things we needed to on the defensive side, and we did just enough on the offensive side to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I think just like you, your biggest takeaway is mine. It was our defensive effort. I mean, it really boils down to what we were able to accomplish defensively. I mean, forcing three turnovers and not having one ourselves, AJ, is the recipe that I want to be on every single time because that's a winning equation. So, you know, our defensive effort was awesome. I thought we played extremely well. Some players really stepped up and made key moment plays like the strip sack, um, like the interception at the end of the game. I mean, those are timely plays, and that's how you seal a victory against your opponent, which is never something that's easy to do, regardless of you know the stature of your opponent in Louisville year after year, whether they're at a high or they're at a low. And I'd say right now, surprisingly, they were able to change their season around. I thought it would be a low in their program, you know, sitting at five and five or seven and five, just like we are. They came in as the 25th ranked team in the country. I mean, they, they started to build that momentum and really fix their season. So, you know, credit to the Louisville Cardinals for accomplishing that this year. But I think the offensive question that you bring up, AJ, it was it was similar, but I, I do think we were willing to take shots, which was exciting. I think um, the Kentucky Wildcats realized that we could wear them down and then take necessary shots. But I was I, I was very impressed by um, what we were able to do. Levis had a strong outing with going eleven for nineteen with one hundred and eighty eight yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought he played well. Um, the offensive play calling opened up just enough to let him do a few things with his legs at times where I thought it was just enough to make sure that Louisville had to respect that option and keep a guy spying on him to where you can't let him get free because that's how he killed us last year, obviously rushing for four touchdowns. Um, and then what else jumps off the page offensively at me, AJ, is I said it all year. Chris Rodriguez, do, do I even have to say it? I feel like the listeners, the listeners probably know as well. What do I always say? He's got to get over 100 yards. He finishes with 120 yards, a long of 20. I thought he was fantastic. He broke that defense down, and then that gave the opportunity in our offense and Will Levis and company to really spread him out. I thought, realistically, when you ask, was there anything different? Absolutely. It was the use of our tight ends. Holy crap, AJ. Caddis finishes with 70 yards. Wow. That was awesome on just two receptions. So it was really fun to see that we could utilize some of the our other weapons because of what Danke, Barry and Brown, Dingle were able to do and just spread them a little thinner. And then, you know, that's one more guy you got to account for that maybe wasn't on the scouting report. So I will say, was it the best effort ever offensively? No, we finished with 26 points and we had three takeaways. So when you have that recipe, you'd, you'd often think, AJ, we'd probably put up a few more points, if not 30 or 40 points. But again, we had our woes in the red zone. 
luckily our defense was stout and we were able to hold them to 13 mere points. So that's the recipe for the win there. But I, I will say I'd be too critical if I were to say, no, nothing was different in this offense and there's not hope going forward because I do think there was just enough offensively to show, okay, we were able to put some drives and plays together that utilized what we need to be doing all year. Yeah, I thought it was extremely encouraging to see, um, I guess overall my biggest takeaway, it was encouraging to see the young guys step up and play a huge role in our win against Louisville. And that is really exciting for me as we progress throughout the next couple of seasons. Josh Caddis with a huge play. Barry and Brown declaring that I'm that guy against Louisville, right? Dane Key coming up and playing a big role. Jordan Dingle playing really well. I just, you know, Levis and Chris Rodriguez, they did their thing. And like you said, Sam, if we're a balanced football team and Chris is getting 100-plus yards, that means we're moving the ball through the air. We're starting to wear teams down throughout the course of the game by running the football. That leads to good things. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get there every game. We were able to get there this game, so that was great to see. But like I said, my... It, for me, it was just more about, you know, I I knew Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis were, were going to play well. You know what I mean? Regardless of the outcome, I knew that they were going to lay it on the line and they were going to play well. They're both about to exit. And so I think with your last game being against Louisville like that, you really want to go out on a high note and be able to say, hey, you know what I mean? I gave it my all and I did everything I could for my team and I, I expected that from them. I didn't know what to expect from some of these younger guys. There's been some games this year where they've played very well. There's been some games where they, they've struggled a little bit more and, and that's going to happen with some younger players. But in that moment, what this team has gone through throughout the course of the season, where we sat going into that final game, Louisville having most of the momentum being gained through their last couple of games, really starting to play better football, a defense for Louisville that was taking the ball away from other teams at an extremely high clip. Um, So for us to go out there and to play mistake-free in that sense with no turnovers, having the young guys all play key roles and making big plays throughout the course of the game was awesome to see. And then, Sam, one other thing in which I do want to get your thoughts on this, but it did my heart good, and I know it did all of BBN's heart good. The field goals, Ruffalo, he made them all, man. And on top of that, you got to see DeAndre Square and Jacquez Jones back out there one more time in a Kentucky uniform. We did not expect them to play whatsoever. That was kept pretty under wraps. And boom, what do you know? They're out there on the football field making plays, making a huge impact. I think you just saw how much that meant to DeAndre Square and everything that he's meant to our program. And for him to be out there with his brothers in that moment, in that last game on that field was was awesome. And it was really cool for me as a fan, as I'm sure it was for you, Sam, and the, and the rest of BBN. 
No, yeah, absolutely. And credit to you for bringing it up because I'm glad. I was just looking at some of my notes from the game and was going back, and I, I was mad at myself for not saying offensively a difference maker was Matt Ruffalo. And, and you know, kudos to him. He stuck in there. He had a, a troubling year, but he goes four for four, accounts for 14 of our 26 points, a long of 43, and truthfully just – finally breaks through and I think all of BBN showed that we want to love you Matt you've been here you've been our guy and it's fun to now you know reminisce going forward on that game and know that he went out on a very high note and you bringing up the likes of DeAndre Square and J.J. Weaver playing A.J. Not only did they play, but they impacted the play, the game and made big time plays and it was so refreshing to see that we got to witness them one last time at Kroger Field in front of all Big Blue Nation because they deserve their flowers, and boy, are we going to miss them. I mean, they were studs for us, and our defense was stout. I mean, you know, obviously what I loved, AJ, realistically going forward, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we had the likes of obviously J.J. Weaver and DeAndre Square step up and make big-time plays. But then we also had our young guns make incredible plays with obviously Trayvon Wallace getting an interception, Jordan Lovett getting an interception. So it was that fun balance of our defense where it's like, good, the senior veterans that have carried the weight of this program the last couple of years get their time to shine and make big plays. But at the same time, our new core was able to impact the game and have their fingerprints and their paw prints all over Kroger Field. So it was very encouraging. Altogether, a good win against a Louisville team, honestly, AJ, that was making Big Blue Nation a little nervous. I'm not saying that we didn't have any indication that we weren't going to win this football game. However, I think we had two tales of teams trending in opposite directions. So kudos to Mark Stoops for year in and year out, getting his team ready for a battle and getting yet another win against these Louisville Cardinals. Obviously, Will Levis exits and departs a Kentucky Wildcat undefeated against the Louisville Cardinals. That's something that he will wear loud and proud as he begins his journey now as a faithful Big Blue Nation fan. Yes, Sam. It was a it was a sweet day last Saturday. I know that. Um, you know, peel back the curtain a little bit. Me and Sam were able to to watch the game together with some family. Um, had a lot of people cheering for UK. We had one gentleman who we won't speak about uh, cheering for Louisville. He he didn't have as great of a time, but. Um, like you said, Sam, that game, it's always a battle. And, you know, these rivalry games, you can kind of throw out the record. You can throw out everything that's happened because these two teams are going to go to war. And it was great to see that the leaders of, of our team were able to to get it done. And like I said, to end the season on a high note, honestly, the momentum is a real thing. It carries over from year to year. Going out and losing that game at the end of the year, coupled with what it had already transpired throughout the back half of our season, would have been something that, honestly, Sam, 
can kind of turn things in a negative direction and start to put a little bit of a, not a stain, but just like a little bit of a stench on your program. And you have to wait all freaking off season to get to the next season, to be able to finally get some of that off. Yeah. There's that anxiety. Absolutely. It's, It's the gosh, now we have to wait months on end and the last taste in our mouth is this nasty loss to our arch rival obviously there's a bowl game on our horizon but i think that's that's absolutely correct that that's going to stick in our minds and i think you know aj and i for you listeners we are going to do a separate episode where we recap the entire season there's a lot of emotions on our expectations we know where you guys stand we know where we stand with how this year went, but I think there's more to it that we need to dive into and recap as we look forward to a very critical offseason, if not in my argument, AJ, the biggest offseason that this Kentucky Wildcats program has had under Coach Mark Stoops, obviously getting his big contract extension worth $2 million per year, making him one of the highest paid coaches there is. Already some big announcements with the transfer portal, with coaching opportunities. We'll dive into that. We won't bore you guys with the details now. But I will say, I mean, there's a lot to uncover. And I'm sure, you know, we're going to be going up against a a decent opponent in our bowl game. I know there's a lot of rumors of where we might end up. So, you know, we'll, we'll take some time with you listeners here in the coming days and bring you guys all up to speed on a lot of moving parts for this Kentucky football program. Appreciate that, Sam. And I think that is about all we have for you guys tonight. Before we do get out of here, though, I did want to say that um, on the schedule for the Kentucky Wildcats, we are traveling to London across the pond this weekend. We have a showdown with the Michigan Wolverines that has been two years in waiting We will have another Sunday primetime showdown this weekend, so Sam and I will be back. We'll let you guys know, but probably Saturday we'll we'll get the episode out and we'll preview the Michigan game, have some fun with that, and then like Sam said... We are going to dedicate some time and get some uh, an episode out for you guys, just completely breaking down the whole football season, moves that have been made already, need to be made. We'll talk about the transfer portal that is heating up extremely fast. Names are being put in every second, it feels like. There is so much going around. I think, Sam, you are very you are very on point to say that this is the most critical offseason the Kentucky Wildcats football team will have. So a ton to get to, a ton on the horizon. We will be here with you guys every single step of the way. We will be back this weekend to preview the Michigan game, like I just said. That is all we have for you tonight. I appreciate your time, Sam. I appreciate everybody listening, and go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. O-C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.